although I'm not so sure about that. But God knows. Malachi puts on the table something that we can easily forget. The ministry is conducted coram deo before God. The ministry of word and sacrament is, first of all, an offering to God. Either it honors God or it dishonors God. A half-hearted going through the motions ministry, a half-hearted going through the motions God. A ministry of pious cliches, a God of pious cliches. A second-rate effort in the ministry, a second-rate God. Malachi stresses the correlation and presses the question. Will our effort here at the seminary, will our effort in the ministry of word and sacrament honor the Lord or dishonor the Lord? The place is Jerusalem. The time is about 500 to 475 BC. And in our text, God through his prophet Malachi has some hard things to say to the BC clergy. The Levitical priests who were serving at the second temple rebuilt after the return from exile. In verse six, God begins this second disputation with a proverbial truism. A typical son honors his father and a typical servant honors his master. Then God asks, where is the honor due my name? Where is the fear and reverence due my name? The Levitical priest protests, huh, what? How have we despised your name? It's not as if the Levitical priests were just sitting around twiddling their thumbs. They were busy, busy, busy at the temple offering sacrifices. But perfunctory performance dishonors the Lord. They were offering blind animals, lame and sick animals. Blind, lame, and sick animals are of no use on the farm. They cannot work. So give them to the temple. Give God the leftovers. God responds in verse eight. Go ahead, present that kind of offering to the Persian official, the governor of the Persian province of Yehud. See how he responds. You would take more seriously an audience with a local official or a pop celebrity than the holy divine service before the almighty maker of heaven and earth. God continues, it would be better just to shut down the temple completely than this perfunctory sacrifice. Then in 1 verses 11 to 14, God contrasts how his name is currently being profaned at the temple with how one day his name will be honored and glorified among the nations. Yahweh is the great king, and one day his holy name will be feared and revered even among the Gentiles. Yahweh, the God of Israel, is great, and his name, his reputation, his character is great. This is not a second-rate God, some cheap imitation like the idols of the nations. This God, the God of Israel, is great. As the creator of the heavens and the earth, the God of Israel alone deserves to be worshiped and honored. This God is great. How so? The almighty creator loved Jacob and made Israel his covenant people. Not only that, but the creator willingly chose to dwell in the temple in Jerusalem for others. 
He willingly chose to place his name there, to place his gracious and saving presence there for sinners, to make himself accessible to people. Not only that, but the Holy Creator and Judge set up a sacrificial system to make atonement in a preliminary way so that sinners would be forgiven and not removed from his holy presence. Not only that, but God gave Israel glorious promises through the prophet Malachi that one day the Lord, the messenger of the covenant, would come to his temple and purify the sons of Levi. God is great, and in the fullness of time, the Lord fulfilled his word and came to his temple. That is his temple. That temple in Jerusalem was Jesus' temple. It belonged to Jesus. He came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He came to his temple to offer up the perfect sacrifice, not as another Levitical priest, but as a new and greater priest after the order of Melchizedek. He offered up an unblemished sacrifice, not simply an unblemished animal, but his very own unblemished body and blood as the all-sufficient atoning sacrifice. And he did it not only to purify the sons of Levi, but all of Israel, not only Israel, but the Gentiles, not only the Gentiles, but you and me gathered here. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses you from all sin. You are purified in the presence of God by his blood. This Jesus of the house and lineage of David, this messenger of the covenant, bodily rose from the dead so that his kingdom shall remain forever. And now in his supper, he gives you his body and blood to eat and drink, the very body and blood that he sacrificed on the cross. Yahweh, the God of Israel, is great indeed, deserving of all honor and praise. The God of Israel reminds the people through Malachi that he is not some tribal God just for a small group gathered in Jerusalem. As 1 verse 11 says, one day his name will be honored and revered among all nations. From the rising of the sun to its setting, people will offer pure worship to the God of Israel. God is great and he kept that promise. For the past 2,000 years, God has been bringing his name into all the nations. You and I are part of the fulfillment. We gather here to hear the word of the God of Israel and to offer him our sacrifices of praise and thanksgiving through his son, Jesus Christ. And who are we? As far as I can tell, a bunch of Gentiles. And we live in North America, far west, way out to the setting of the sun, not even on the map at the time of Malachi. Yet the Lord Jesus Christ has made us, even us Gentiles, his priests and all Christians everywhere to offer to his holy name our time, talents, and treasures. And he invites his called and ordained ministers to bring his sacred name into all nations and to carry out the ministry in such a way that the Lord's name is honored. For indeed, the God of Israel is great and his name is to be feared and honored among all nations. God continues to rebuke the priests in chapter two. 
In the opening verses, the priests, uh, uh, in the opening verses of chapter 2. The priests were supposed to pronounce the Aaronic benediction to the people. Thereby they would place God's name on the people and give them God's blessing. God's covenant with Levi was intended for life and shalom, wholeness. But if they will not honor God's name, then God threatens to send them a curse instead of a blessing. The Lord really cares what goes on at the temple, what goes on in the divine service. As he says in 1 verse 7, the altar is my altar. The Lord's table is the Lord's table, not our altar, our table, our pulpit to do with it as we want. It belongs to the Lord. The church's public worship is done coram deo before God. Either it honors the Lord Jesus Christ and extols his work, or it dishonors him and trivializes his work. I like to ask pastors what they have learned since leaving the seminary. I would love to hear a reply like this. I've learned to emphasize the future bodily resurrection more and not just talk about the soul. Or I've learned to make the Lord's Supper more central in the life of the church. Or I've learned to make more use of the wisdom literature of Proverbs in my pastoral counseling. Or I've discovered the seven ecumenical creeds, the seven ecumenical councils in our Catholicity as a church. Or I stress more the move from creation to new creation. Or in our circuit meetings, I, I emphasize more the transcongregational nature of the church. I would love to hear a reply like that. But the reply usually goes like this. I've learned how to organize and administrate more effectively. I've learned more about budgets. I've learned more about strategic planning. Now, of course, those things are important. The visible church on earth needs to be well organized and well administered. We do not live on planet Neptune. You do have to pay the electric bill. But I wonder, has the organizational dimension of the visible church overshadowed the theological dimension? What about the centrality of teaching the Word of God? In Malachi 2, verses 5 to 9, God continues to speak to the B.C. clergy, the Levitical priests. In addition to the sacrificial system, God gave Levi and the sons of Levi the assignment to teach the Word of God and to teach it in its truth and purity. They were to give the people true instruction, to guard and preserve the true knowledge of God in, accord in accordance with God's own revelation. And for what purpose? Thereby they would turn sinners away from iniquity. The Word of God, when taught in its truth and purity, the whole counsel of God, leads sinners away from their old ways and turns them to the God of Israel. The Levitical priest was supposed to teach the people, and the people were supposed to desire and seek instruction from his mouth, for he was called to be a messenger of Yahweh of hosts. Over two, over two centuries earlier, God through the prophet Hosea had complained that my people are being destroyed for a lack of knowledge. To know God by faith is to have eternal life. And in the fullness of time, God sent his son, the messenger of the covenant, to reveal God, to make known God's heart, 
to show and enact God's love for sinners. For God so loved the world of rebellious sinners that he gave up to death his only begotten son. In Christ Jesus, God loves you and me. And he calls us to teach his life-giving word in its truth and purity to all nations so that more and more people will come to know by faith the living God, Yahweh of hosts, as he reveals himself through Jesus of Nazareth, his son. As Jesus prays to his father in John 17, and this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. The God of Israel is to be honored. Johann Sebastian Bach typically wrote the initials SDG at the end of his compositions, Soli Deo Gloria, to God alone be the glory. He used his abilities and skills and gave his best effort so that the true God alone would receive the glory due his name. That is Malachi's message for us here today, for those who teach and work here and for those who study here. To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. Please stand for prayer. Included in our prayers today are prayers for the vicars and deaconesses in the Atlantic District. Mohan Singh, Henry Albrechtson, Daniel Cohn, John Galair, Dwayne Olson, Michael Stanick, Martin Tice, and William Van Gore. We also pray for the family of former seminarian Jacob McCurry, whose grandfather died this past week, and for Dick Mars, father of Professor Mars, who had surgery last week and is now in critical condition. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we pray for the vicars serving in the Atlantic.